All right, notice in verse 14 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass that when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. So I want you to notice what Saul here. You all know the story. So Saul was in rebellion against God. He'd been going against God, not obeying. And so as a result of it, God said He was going to take the kingdom from him and He was going to give it to David who was a man after his own heart. And Saul was a man who the Spirit of God was upon. But we see that while God gave Saul a special portion of His Spirit and he had a special anointing from God, God ended up taking that away from Saul. Now God didn't take away Saul's salvation, but He did take away that Spirit from Saul. And then God ends up allowing an evil spirit to come and to trouble Saul. And you all know this story. Saul, he's troubled with this evil spirit, and so what do his, you know, uh, you know, the people around him come up with? They said music. They bring up music, and so the, my message tonight it was one I had for the inspiration, which unfortunately we did not do. Uh, so I knew we weren't going to do it this afternoon, so I added a few points to it. It wasn't originally going to be a full length message, but you're going to get the full length version of it tonight. But I want us to talk about the spiritual impact of music because there is a spiritual impact when it comes to music and it's something that they recognized even back then when Saul has this evil spirit troubling him we see that when David came along and David played music for him that it refreshed Saul it made it, it made him feel better okay but it you know it wasn't a cure but it was something that helped it was something that made a difference and so notice you know, in this story how this evil spirit, it was one that God sent. It was something that God allowed to come as a result of Saul's rebellion. I believe that this particular you know, evil spirit that Paul's dealing with, it wasn't because he was listening to bad music or anything like that, but Paul had a sin problem, and so God allows this evil spirit to trouble him. And you know what? I believe that applies to us today, even as Christians. If we get involved in certain things, if we are... Um, you know, in participating in certain sins, there's going to be spirits out there that are going to trouble us. I don't believe a Christian can be demon-possessed, but I do believe that we can be oppressed by demons. I believe we can have demonic influences in our life if we're messing with stuff that we shouldn't be messing with. And let me tell you something, when it comes to music, and I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, liberal Christians are the only people that deny the moral effect of sin, the spirit, or not the moral effect, the moral effect of music, the spiritual effect of music. Liberal Christians are the only people that can't seem to figure it out. The world gets it. The world understands it. And you know what? Godly Christians understand it. And it's all over in the Bible that music does have an impact. So Saul's servants, they understood that. They're like, you know, let's get somebody who is a cunning player on the harp, it says in verse 16. It shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. I think it's interesting. These people even knew that this evil spirit, this is something from God, but you know what? Evil spirits, they don't like good, godly, wholesome music. This will drive that spirit away from Saul, even though this was something that God was sending upon Saul. So they did. They, they came up with this and it was. It was a very effective thing. Now what was going on with Saul Today, we would call what Saul had going on a mental illness. You know, that's what we do today. It's amazing how many spiritual problems that people have today or, you know, problems just because of sin. And we just call it mental illness is what we call it. And I'm sorry, but anybody who's living in a, a wicked, immoral lifestyle is going to have mental issues. You know why? Because sin hurts. You know, living a wicked life it is emotionally devastating. And God puts that mental pain that we get there for a reason, just like it's a good thing if you smash your finger with a hammer, it's good that it's painful so you will know not to continue doing that. You smash your hand with the, your, you know, your finger with a hammer enough times, your finger's not going to work right. So it's good that it's painful. It tells us not to do it. And there are things morally that we can do that if we do them, they are going to bring emotional pain to our life. And that's a good thing because that's God's way of telling us don't do those things. 
That will destroy you. But what do we have today? We have a world today where you know they have no morality, where anything goes, any sexual sin is fine as long as it's consensual. And then we wonder why there's so many emotional problems. You know, they wonder why there's so many mental health issues in the LGBT community. There's always going to be mental health issues in their community because of their wicked life they're living. Just like if we have somebody who's always just beating themselves up, if there's always smashing their hand with a hammer, that person is going to have trouble making their hand work right. And a person who lives the lesbian gay lifestyle or whatever, those people are going to struggle functioning mentally because of the fact that of the, the emotional damage they are doing to themselves by living that wicked, perverted lifestyle. And so today though, what do our doctors do? When people are struggling mentally, you know, they don't prescribe good music. They don't prescribe godly things. They just give them some type of medication that makes things worse. And I do believe that we have a lot of real, legitimate mental health issues in our country. But I think a lot of that is because of all the painkillers. I think a lot of it, especially with women, is because of all the birth control and the hormonal things that they take. Women are already unstable enough as it is. All right, And I, I'm sorry I said that, but it's just... If you're married to one, you know that you know the, the the emotional stability is not you know always you know, normal the same. You know it, it fluctuates from time to time. I don't need to say anymore. All right, and so uh, I'll, I'll get myself in trouble. You know? <laughs> but but we all know that. All right, and then to take a woman and to start giving her hormones and things like they do with the birth control that just kind of mess up the natural process. And then we wonder why there's so many crazy women. We're just asking for it. And so there are, there's a lot of real mental problems that people have today, but it's because of all the junk that they're taking. You know, they're taking all these painkillers because whenever we get hurt, you know, we never ask ourselves, you know, why am I hurting and what can I do to fix whatever is wrong with my body? What do we do? We take a pill to cover up the symptom. And these things are mind altering and we wonder why we've got so many crazy people. It's because of all the pills. But, back in Saul's day, they're not giving people all these things. Saul's problem, there's no doubt, it was a sin problem. And so God sends this evil spirit, and these men back then, they understood that music would have an impact in combating these evil spirits. So, you know, music was not the solution to Saul's problem. And listen, if you get the right kind of music in your life, it's not going to solve all the problems in your life. But it does have an impact. The music you listen to, it has a spiritual impact. It even has a physical impact, an emotional impact. It all does. And if you've got a problem with this, I mean, you, you are very uninformed if you don't think that. I've had supposed Christians, liberal Christians, try to tell me that music is amoral. That is just a stupid statement. That is stupid. It's false. Nobody believes that. Musicians don't believe that. The music writers do not believe that. Only liberal Christians who want to justify their Christian rock music. They're the only people that say anything that stupid. They're the only ones. And it's just absolutely foolish. So, what are some things that we can learn about David's music that can kind of help us? Because obviously, I can't play a recording of what David did. I don't know exactly what his harp was like. It probably wasn't exactly like the harps we have today. Probably didn't sound exactly alike. I can't. I can't necessarily take a Bible and demonstrate um, the style of music he played. I can't get up here and dogmatically do that and show you. And even if I had a harp just like David's, I know I couldn't play it like David could. So, what can we learn about this music? that drove an evil spirit away from Saul. And I think from just looking at the story, I think we can see some things that we can clearly relate to today that will give us an idea of the type of music it was that had a real spiritual impact. So note, first off, notice in verse 17, it says, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is a cunning that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, a man of war, prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. So first off, we notice that David was good at what he did. He was skilled. The music that had an impact was not just somebody just getting up there and just, you know, 
banging around on something. He was clearly good. He was clearly somebody that had some real talent. He was a, you know, he wanted some, Saul wanted somebody who could play well. Okay? There are some beautiful instruments out there when the right people are playing them. But you don't just want to give anybody a violin. Alright? You know, and you don't want to just put anybody on a piano. Yeah, or or any instrument, it needs to be somebody. If it's going to have a good spiritual impact, they need to be good at it. And David, we see he was good at it. And you know what? When it comes to our music that we do and we play, I do. I believe in the whole make a joyful noise. I believe in doing your best. And I'll say more about that in a little bit. But I think it's important that we try to be good at what we do. That we be skilled at it. Look what it says in Psalm 33. Verse, verse 1. Psalm 33. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto Him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right and all His works are done in truth. So it says, you know, play it skillfully. Do it with a loud noise. If we're going to play something for the Lord... Why don't we try doing a good job at it? Why don't we show that we actually have some skill? And when it came to David's ability to play the harp, it was very clear he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He got on there. He made it sound good. You know, he did things that not just anyone could do. The guy actually put some effort into what he did, and that should be our mentality when it comes to the music we play for the Lord. And Ecclesiastes nine ten says, "Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do." Do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. So whatever we are trying to do, we ought to try to be good at it. You know, if your kids are taking lessons on an instrument, they ought to try to get good at it. Whatever it is we're doing, we ought to try to be good at it. You know, in my preaching, I try to do good at my preaching. You know, at your job, you ought to try to do good in the work you're doing. And when you do it, you need to do it with all your might and what I'm about to say here is going to be politically incorrect, but it's just a fact. And you know what? You're going to be more likely to be used of God in a positive way if you're good at what you're doing. Look what it says in 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 21. Because you know what? David, the reason David got good or got used was because he was good at what he did. They wanted somebody who can play well. They wanted somebody who is cunning at what they did. And we see many examples in the Bible of people who played instruments. Right here in First Chronicles 15, it's naming a whole bunch of really hard names to read, but it's talking about how they were lining up the singers and the players of instruments for those who played in the house of the Lord, for those who played in the tabernacle or the temple, and specifically near the Ark of the Covenant. And it mentions in verse 21 a bunch of names, and it mentions and Jael and Azaziah with harps on the shimoneth to excel. And Chenaniah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful. All right, they got people who excelled at what they did. They picked one person specifically because he was skillful. They're like, hey, we need people to play instruments. We need people to help with the worship around the house of God. And you know what they did? They picked the people that were good at what they did. They, they picked people who actually had skill and who were impressive at what they did. And those were the people that God used to do the music for the house of the Lord. And you're more likely to be used of God when you're good. And listen, being pathetic is not a virtue. And I've seen this in my life. You know, around the house of God, you know, you'll have people... Alright, and don't get me wrong, okay? If, if you're somebody who's, you know, can't carry a tune in a bucket or tone deaf or bad at instrument or whatever, okay? And remember, singspiration, you know, the rules go out the window, alright? We just, you know, we let everybody, alright, do whatever. That's just, that's just how it is once a year. But here's the thing. I've known people before, they're terrible at what they do, and then they act like it's a virtue. They'll get up, and they'll try to sing a special in church, and they don't even know the words of the song. They don't even know the tune to the song. And they, they want to get up and they want to just go and just, they want to sing all the time and they do terrible and they'll get up, you know, uh, I didn't really get a chance to practice, but you know, I, I'm just here to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to do my best. 
I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna try my hardest. And then they go and then they just make everybody uncomfortable for five minutes while, you know, they get up there and screech and howl and moan and cry and whatever. And then you gotta sit there and try not to laugh through the whole thing. You know, and the thing is, they, they'll do this and they'll act like it's a virtue. You know, and everyone says, you know, hey, that's fine as long as you do your best. But here's the big question. Is that really your best? Were you really, did you really not have the time or the ability to go learn the words to that song? You know, and once again, you know, I said, some people, they, they literally, they, they can't carry a tune. You know, and that's fine. If that's, if that's you, some people just do not have an ear for music. And that's fine. But if that's you, you know, don't be asking to sing a special every week. Alright? And that's some of these people, they do. They always want to be center stage. And they always want to be, they want, they want to have a place on the platform singing. They want to be in church choirs. Okay? And I've, had, I've, I've dealt with some of these people before. And they act like their lack of talent is a virtue. It's like, really, you can't practice at all? You can't put any effort into it? I mean, you can't even take the time to learn the words of the song or go listen to the tune first? I remember one time a girl got up in church and sang a special. She wanted to sing a special. I mean, she just really wanted to sing a special. <clears throat> got a frog in my throat. She got up to sing the special and she just pulled a song out of the hymn book. And they're like, you know, do you want somebody to play along the piano? She's like, no, I'll just sing it a cappella. And she gets up there to sing, and she sings, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And I'm not even going to do a demonstration. I'll embarrass myself. And I can do a good impression of it. But she just got up there and just made up her own tune to Oh, How I Love Jesus. Just made up her own tune. She'd never heard the song before. And everybody's just sitting there, and it's just dead silence. It's just like, it was so awkward. You know, it was so awkward as she sang all the verses of Oh, How I Love Jesus to the wrong tune. It was weird. It was really, it was really weird. And, well, you know, you shouldn't have that. She did her best. Really? It looked to me like she just picked a song while she was sitting there in the pew and then walked up and made us all listen to her sing it. She didn't practice it. She didn't go try to learn the song. She never ran through it before church with a piano player. She just, let me do it. And that's how a lot of people are when it comes to serving God. They don't, they're not putting any effort into it. They'll go and they'll just bomb out on something and then we're all supposed to act like that was a virtue because at least they did their best. No, they didn't. They didn't practice. They didn't try. They were just shooting from the hip. They didn't take it serious at all. And that is, being pathetic is not a virtue. But that's how people act today. Uh, I, I, I had this desire to play the guitar I've never taken a lesson, you know, I've never really practiced, but I just I just really want to praise the Lord with guitar. And then they just want to walk up and just just start plucking around the thing and they don't even know what they're doing. It just sounds horrible. And then we're supposed to act like we're real spiritual and think they're glorifying God. No, they're not. And you know what? God's not going to use them. And I've heard people say that too, when somebody just gets up and just annihilates a beautiful song. Oh, the Lord's probably going to really use them because of their humility. No, He's not. They put no effort into anything. They're not even trying. We ought to put effort into it. Nobody just gets up on the piano and plays a beautiful special. You know, we listen to that piano duet today. You know, they, they didn't just pull that out and do it. They've been practicing it. And not only that, they've both been playing the piano for years and years and years and have put a lot of work into it. It didn't just happen. And people will look at that sometime and be like, oh, you're just lucky that you're, you have talent. No, they put work into it. There are those people that are just naturally gifted, and we, you know, we all hate those people, all right? But at the same time, most people put some work in what they did, and if, if you want to be used of God, you actually need to be doing your best. And a lot of these people that get up and just destroy songs, they're not doing their best. They're putting no effort into it. And... How many? What's that song that guy sang about? The, it was one of those viral songs where he keeps going higher and higher, singing about a city in heaven or something. Have you ever seen that video on YouTube? And, you know, people watch that. And, you know, and it's, it's hilarious. You know, this guy he thinks he is a really good singer, I, and it was just one of the most horrible things you'll ever hear in your life. But it's like you know, people want to look at that and well, you know, just man, he's trying his best. No, he wasn't. 
he heard some Southern Gospel guy, he was copying off some Southern Gospel guy that does that and is actually good. And he just he's so full of himself, he thinks he can do it too. And he got up there and he tried. And that church didn't love that man enough to say, listen buddy, we don't want you to humiliate yourself. And so what do they do? They let him get up there. They put the video on YouTube. The thing goes viral. You know? And that's why we don't live stream the Singspiration, just in case that you know somebody comes up and doesn't. we don't want to humiliate those people. We'll give you the video, and then if you want to put it out there and humiliate yourself, that's fine. But we, you know, we're not going to do that to you. But we ought to try to be good at what we're doing. Being bad at stuff is not a virtue. If you want to be used of God, you need to try... To do, I mean, actually try to do your best. And with some of us, the best will never be that great when it comes to certain things. There's just some things, you know, no matter how hard I would have devoted my life to basketball, I guarantee I'd have never made the NBA. I'm just, I'm not built for it. I just, I'm, I'm too white. I mean, I, I'm too short. Uh, I just, I never would have, I never would have, I stink at basketball still, but... I think if I'd have devoted my life to it, I still would have never made the NBA. It is it w- it wouldn't have happened. And you know, some people are going to do better at other things, but if we are going to do something, it actually needs to be we need to be doing our best. We actually need to be putting effort into it. And David did. I believe David put some effort into it. David was skilled at what he did. And you know what? I don't think David just got up there and just got in front of Saul and his harp and just started just going crazy on the thing and just banging his head and dancing around. and just No, there was some skill involved in what he did. And a lot of this music that we're seeing today, you know, in the rock and roll world, I can't tell if there's any talent involved in that or not. All I hear is a bunch of crazy noise. All I hear is a bunch of chaos and a bunch of racket. And I just see people just up there going crazy. And, and I, I play the guitar. And I've heard some of these guys, if you... If you they, I, I, that you can tell I have talent, but I've seen some of these other people. It's just like they don't even know what they're doing. They're just, they're just banging around on that thing, having a time. There is no skill in that, and that's not what David was doing. David was good at what he did. But look at verse eighteen. Now, right here, this is going to throw out the rock and roll crowd, even in the Christian rock world. This is going to disqualify every Christian rock group that is in existence. Right here. Because remember, this is music that had a positive spiritual impact. Notice what it says about David. It says, you know, he said he was cunning in playing, a mighty man of uh, man of war, prudent in matters. Look at this, and a comely person. Okay, David was a good-looking person. The Bible's very clear about that. David was a comely person. He was somebody who was pleasant to look at. Christian rock groups, they're long gone. All right, It is not pleasant looking at some spike-haired freak, you know, some tattooed up, pierced up. These people are not pleasant to look at. They are scary. I, you go to the Christian, book, the Christian bookstores and you go and you look in the Christian rock section. These people are freaks. They look like vampires. They look like Satanists. I mean, there is nothing wholesome about these people. They are scary looking people. And you know what? If you find out about most of these people too, they're celebrated and they're propped up because they all came out of a life of drugs and stuff. Well, the problem, you know, and that's fine. I'm glad, you know, if God gets people out of a life of drugs, but why do you still look like you're on drugs? You know? Why do you act like you're still on drugs? I think some of these people are on drugs. Not pleasant people. You know, and there is, there are looks that are associated with certain music. Are there not? Liberal Christians are the only people that won't get this. Okay, There are looks that are associated with certain music. You can go to a concert and without seeing the band and knowing who's playing, you can look at the crowd and figure out what type of music it's going to be. You can figure it out. I remember when I was seeing videos from the Las Vegas shooting. I saw a lot of cowboy hats. All right? Why is that? Because it was country music. You could tell by the way people dressed they were going to a country music concert. There's another way people dress if they're going to a Metallica concert or a Marilyn Manson concert or I, I don't know who's out there. And there's another way they dress too if they're going to a Justin Bieber concert. Right, you know, or Taylor Swift or all, whoever, all these people. There is just there is a look 
that comes. You know, why is it that you know everybody feels comfortable dressed like a queer at a Justin Bieber concert? There's a reason for that. Certain music attracts a certain look. There, there is, there is no doubt about it. And listen, there's a natural ugly and there's an artificial ugly. All right, there, there, is, there are some people that are just ugly. All right, they can't help it. It's just the hand they were dealt. Okay, but there, there is an ugly that you can help. And I'm sorry when you're all pierced up and you're all tattooed up. If somebody tells you you're ugly, they're not a mean person. Okay, it's. It's okay to make fun of things. It's not okay to make fun of things people can't help. But if they can help it, that's another story. And you know what? Nobody made you pierce your face up, tattoo your face up, dress like a freak, do all that stuff. You know, dress like a homo. Nobody made you do that. And people, there is a certain music that is associated with that type of thing. I remember the first time I was ever exposed to any kind of Christian rock concert. I never seen anything like it before. We used to go to the Peoria Christian Center in Peoria, uh, there in Peoria, and they had a bowling alley there, and it was a place you could go. They had a more wholesome environment, didn't have the bar and all that stuff. And we were there for a church bowling night one night. We had a whole bunch of people from the church there. And then when we were leaving, they had an area that had you know the ping pong tables and pool tables and all that stuff. And it was usually when you go there, it was a lot of Christian-looking people. Well, one day, we, I go walking out there, and it's like freak show city. I mean, I'm seeing all the goth-looking people, the piercings, the tattoos, all that. I'm, I'm seeing all that stuff out there. And I remember I went and told my dad because there was a lot, of, you know, a lot of the kids playing out the tunes. Like, oh, dad, there's a lot of weird people here. And my dad went out there. My dad like, was like, what in the world? He was all freaked out. And we're like getting the kids and getting them out of those areas and getting them in the bowling area where all of us were. Like, telling the kids don't go out there. And we were trying to figure out what was going on. And there was a Christian rock concert going on. There was a Christian rock group called Bleach, I believe is what they were called. They were called Bleach. And I remember I went and I peeked into the area where there was an auditorium where they were playing. And I looked at that group and I heard the music and I couldn't tell any difference between that and a regular rock concert. And it was supposed to be Christian, but you know what? The music was just like the world. And guess what everybody looked like? They looked just like the world. They looked like a bunch of burnout freaks. And you know what? David didn't look like that. He did not look that way. He, he was somebody, he was a comely person. And I do, I believe he had, there, you know, there's a, he had a natural beauty to him. There's, a, there's natural beauty and there's artificial beauty too, isn't there? You know, you've got some people that, you know, and I don't know if we want to call it some people might consider it beauty. You know, some of these, you know, singers that are out there, some of these females, certain, sometimes they look pretty good if somebody did their makeup right. But it's like a lot of these people, I'd hate to see what they look like without all that paint. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people consider it beauty. But, you know, artificial, the artificial isn't even, you know, that's not real beauty. You know, and David, he had a comely look he was somebody that was pleasant to look at, not just because he was good looking, but he had a, you know, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but you've ever just seen somebody, they just had a godly look about them. They had a peaceful look about them. They look genuinely happy. Have you ever known one of those people that just had a smile that was contagious? You know, they just, they, they're happy people. They just seem to have the joy of the Lord in their life. And they're the type of people that you want to be around. They're the type of people that just kind of brighten up the room. But then you have the other people that they were probably born good looking and they might even be good looking. They have certain features that I guess you could say are good, but they do. They just have a hardened look in their face. They have an unhappy look to them. I mean, you can tell that life's been difficult on them. And when it comes to, when it comes to looks, most ugly that is out there could be prevented with just a little effort. You know, clean living will help a little effort, doing something normal with your hair. You know, having a pleasant personality. There are some people that are just so nice. They are so nice. They are so friendly. They are so loving. You can't even tell they're ugly. You can't. It's just the the niceness of them, the happiness, the godliness. It just it causes you to just not even notice. You know, the the ugly. But then there's other people that are better looking, but they're just so evil. 
it just doesn't matter. And that's just how it is with a lot of these, you know, even just some of these, you know, Hollywood women or news reporter women that might be good looking on, but they're just so evil, they make me sick. You know, they just, I can't even stand to look at them because of the evil. And David was somebody that had a godly look. And let me ask you, what do the people look like who play the music that you listen to? If they look like a freak, it's probably bad music. I mean, you can tell by looking at the, the musicians, most of the time, if that music is appropriate or not. I could tell you if the music you're wanting to listen to is appropriate or not, probably just by looking at the singers. I'd be able to tell you, because there is, there is, there is a look that comes with it. And David had, David had a good look about him. But also it mentions too in verse 18 about his music, it mentions that he was uh, prudent in matters. Okay, he was prudent in matters. And what does that mean? Prudent means you know, he was able to see a situation and know what to do. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, "...a prudent man perceiveth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished." Okay? What is that? So what does that have to do with music being prudent? Well, for example, certain music affects certain moods, doesn't it? David is able to see Saul. He's able to see that, hey, this man is struggling spiritually. He's unhappy. And he knew what kind of music to play. And you say, well, how do we know what that is? You know, who's good at that? Well, I think a good example of someone who uh, is cunning or prudent, I'm saying uh, prudent when it comes to music, are the organ players at ball games. Okay? Have you ever been to a baseball game like at Wrigley Field and they've got that organ player? Now, does that organ player, you probably don't even notice it, but they add a lot to the game, don't they? They know how in those moments when things are quiet, nothing's going on, you know, that's when they'll do their little da 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 and everybody else charge. What they do, they listen to the game, they're watching the game, they're paying attention to what's going on, and then they play music to kind of help set the mood. You know, when it's kind of an intense moment, the pitcher's getting ready to do the pitch, you know, they're dun, 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 dun. You know, they'll do all these different things just to kind of get the crowd going. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Alright? Though people that do that are professionals. They're, they know how to pay attention. They know what's going on. They know what kind of music to play at certain times. And, you know, some people just have no prudence when it comes to music. Okay? For example, if you're at a funeral, don't play circus music. Alright? You know, and I won't name any names or anything. None of you know who it is. But we were at a funeral one time. At a funeral. And a family member gets up to sing a song in that funeral. This fam, this, and this individual too is just one of these people that's just full of themselves. That just loves themselves so much. You know, that it's, just, it's ridiculous. And they got up in the funeral and start singing a song. And they're just up there, I mean, just getting down and dancing. During the funeral, all of a sudden, it's like this whole funeral, it's not about the person who died anymore, it was about the singer. And it was one of the most revolting things that I ever saw in my life. It made me sick. I was just like, why would you sing a song like that at a funeral? That is not an appropriate setting for it. It just it was so inappropriate. It was so out of line. I heard a story one time from a preacher. I was told this was a true story. Right, but it was from a preacher, so you never know. There's a preacher one time. He was asked to uh, preach a funeral for a fellow, and he didn't know the fellow real well. But this family, they asked him, say, "Hey, pastor, we would like for you to preach his funeral, and uh, if you could also sing a song too." And he's like, "Sure, you know, you know." And, and I do this when I get ready for funerals. You know, I'll ask people to pick out songs. You know, and as long as the song's appropriate, you know, I'll I'll sing it. And I'll ask people about songs. So he asked these people. They said they wanted a song sung at the graveside. And he said, I'll do it. He said, what song? And they said, well, this might seem like a weird request, but his favorite song was Jingle Bells. And so that pastor, you know, being a prudent man, he's thinking, well, you know, Jingle Bells isn't the best place for, uh, you know, to be, you know, a funeral's not the best place to sing Jingle Bells. So, he, But he's like, well, they asked me to do it. So being prudent... He's thinking, well, you know, I'll at least, you know, tone it down a little bit, you know. Normally, Jingle Bells is, is a very upbeat song. So he just got up and real serious. He's singing, you know, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Just real solemn, like a song should be sung at a funeral, at a graveside, right? And so he gets done singing the song afterwards. The people are thanking him. Pastor, we appreciate you doing that for us. And 
and we appreciate you doing the song for us. And he said, he said, well, yeah, I said, I'm always happy to do it. He said, you know, it was kind of strange. I've never had anybody request that I sing Jingle Bells at a funeral before. I said, often people will request me to sing when they ring those golden bells. And they were like, that was the song. You know, and then he, then he felt real stupid. But, you know, there are, there's some things that aren't appropriate different places. And you know, some people just haven't got a clue. Some people haven't got a clue. David knew the kind of music to play for Saul. You know why? Because there was a certain kind that would drive away the evil spirits. And he knew what it was. He understood the spiritual impact of music and him being a prudent man and a cunning player, he was able to take that skill and he's like, I know just what kind of music he needs and he played that kind of music. And we do, we know there's certain music that kind of gets us fired up. There's music that may, there's certain music that maybe you'd like to listen to while you're exercising or while you're running. That'll, that'll get you fired up and give you a little more energy. You know, and then there's music that maybe you'll listen to on a rainy day when you're wanting to feel sorry for yourself or something like that. Or just sometimes when you need just a, a, a spiritual lift, there's certain music. And there is, there's certain music that I like to listen to at certain times. And sometimes when I'm driving home, you know, I'll just, I'll play certain songs just to kind of, Give me a boost. And we all, we all know how that works with us. And there are some people that are really good. They know, they know how to affect the service. A lot of people are good at this. And maybe they, I think they misuse a lot of their talents in the camp meeting world. You've got in the camp meeting world, the people that are known for their ability to use music to get the crowd fired up and to get the people running the aisles and all the stuff you're supposed to do at a camp meeting. I remember I was at a camp meeting one time, and they had this guy. They like flew this one guy in. This church, it, it, the the meeting was at this church. This church had a song leader, but they like brought in a specialist because this guy, when he led the singing, he knew how to get the crowd going. And when I've never seen this before, most people I've ever seen lead singing, they stand behind the pulpit and they just kind of you know lead with the arm like that. You know, this guy he carried the microphone around and he's walking around getting everybody all fired up and stuff. And it was it was. I didn't like the guy personally. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of revolting, but people like him, uh, liked him. He knew how to do that. He knew how to do that stuff. He knew how to get the people all amped up and fired up. And that's why, why did these people do it? Because they understand there's a spiritual effect in music. There's a physical effect. There's a mental effect. There's an emotional effect. And certain music can create a certain atmosphere. And some people are better at it than others. And David was good at it. I think even Moses understood this. Look, go back to Exodus chapter 32. And this passage always gets brought up when you talk about music. It says in Exodus 32 verse 17, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath them out. Notice how Joshua, who is probably not as skilled when it comes to this, he's just hearing the noise and he's thinking there's war in the camp. Somehow some army came and there's fighting going on. He's hearing the yelling, the screaming. He's hearing the chaos. But Moses, somebody who is probably just a little more familiar with these things, he's hearing that noise and he's thinking, that's not war. That's music. That's people that are singing that I'm hearing. And he knew, I think he knew what he was about to find. And he went down there and he saw the people dancing. He saw the golden calf and the false god. He saw the nakedness of the people because there's a certain dress that's associated with certain music. And with a lot of music, the dress is no dress. That's just how it is. Why a lot, most of these, uh, most of these singers today don't wear hardly any clothes. Why? Because clothing and modesty do not go with the music that they're playing. And so here he is. He recognizes that and he knew what he was about to see. He understood what was being done. Why? Because if you're going to be doing the wickedness like they were doing, certain music goes with it. There's just, you know, people aren't going to listen to hymns. People say that music is unmoral. Then how come you never hear, you know, peaceful hymns, uh, hymn orchestrations playing at teenage drinking parties? Why is that? Because that's going to kill the mood. 
You know, why is it that druggies, they're not going to go listening to how great thou art and things like that. They've got their stoner music that they listen to. You know, their stinking hippie music. And let me just, you know, let me just say this, alright? There's this weirdo. Alright? And this guy's commented on some of my videos before, like he likes me, and I saw he subscribed to my channel. There's this guy, this guy named Nori Davis, alright? And this guy, he's this long-haired hippie who thinks he's a Nazarite. He thinks he's a Nazarite, so he's got, he's like this long-haired hippie. He goes to Fagshin Yagtin's church out there in Washington. And this guy, he thinks he's a Nazarite, but he looks like a hippie. I can tell by looking at him, he probably smells like a hippie. He plays his guitar like a hippie, and he sings like a hippie. And I bet five bucks he smokes pot like a hippie. I'm sure he's okay with that too, these, you know, bunch of wine drinking Baptists. The guy makes me sick. And it's like, you know what? Fine. You could convince me, maybe, that you actually thought you were a Nazarite if you just had regular long hair, but you got nasty, dirty dreadlocks like a hippie. You know, you play the guitar and you sing just like a hippie. And there is a hippie style of singing, and I hate it. I, I hate it. You know, we're in the Christmas season, and you just ask my kids, when I hear that song start playing, Merry Christmas, the war is over, I just want to start hitting somebody. Right? I, that song just makes me angry. I hate those hippie songs from the 60s and 70s. They make me sick. And people who look like hippies and sing like hippies and play their guitars like hippies, okay, there is a hippie style of music. And once again, only ignorant Christians would be the only ones to deny that. It makes me sick. Why is that? Why can't that guy, if he's really truly a Nazarite, why is it that he just happens to play music that sounds like any other dirty dreadlock hippie would be playing? Sounds like the same thing. Why is that? Because music has a spiritual impact. And the hippie music that motivated the pot smoking, that motivated the dirty long hair, the smelly B.O. look, all that junk, is the same spirit that's affecting this guy except he's trying to call it Christian. He's trying to call it Baptist. And he's let this guy get up in his, you know, that faction. He's let people get up and preach this, or preach in his pulpit. I'm sorry, I'm not letting a long-haired hippie get up and preach in this church. I don't care if he says he's a Nazarite. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to believe him. I think that is just a bunch of garbage. And they all look alike. You, you know, I can, you can listen to music a lot of times and know what the people look like. Just, just, from, just from listening to it. And, or you can look at the people and you can know what the music's going to sound like. You see some of these little skinny jean guys, or these guys that will get up in their little skinny pants, their shiny suits, and their spiky hair. I know what they're going to do. They're going to get up, they're going to sing, and they're going to make out with a microphone and just be... I'm, I don't even want to try to imitate what they do. So I'll end up looking stupid. But you can just look at them and you know what you're about to hear. And you know, and the thing is, even on the conservative end, you have some of them. You get those guys that wear the big, you know, the fancy suits, and they got the, you know, pocket hankies and all that stuff, and they come walking all stuffed shirt, you know, all pompous. And you know, I'm about to hear an opera come out of that guy, you know. And you, you can just, you can tell there are certain, uh, there, there are just certain things that go with these things. Why? Because there's, there's spiritual involved. These are spiritual things. And so David, he was prudent. He knew the kind of music to use. Why? Because there was a certain kind. And he used it and it affected Saul in a positive way. He was also, look what it says in verse 19. It says, Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, an evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and an evil spirit departed from him. Notice that David was somebody who was pleasant to be around. He was somebody that saw, man, I, I want this guy to go around with me. I want him to be my armor bearer. You know, I want to use this man. He has found favor in my sight. Why? Because this is a good, godly person. This is somebody, he's got a servant's attitude. He's trying to help me. He's thinking about me with the music. And you can tell 
with people's music, a lot of times who they're thinking about. When that, you can tell the difference in somebody who is trying to minister to the people through music versus somebody who's trying to showcase themselves. There is a difference. There is a huge difference. And notice, too, how most singers today are a bunch of queer-looking narcissists. Just a bunch of queer-looking narcissists. I've, I've, I've seen some of these young people that they do. They, all of a sudden, they want to become singers. And then they went from being normal individuals. I've known some of these people. They went from being normal individuals who dress like a human being to all of a sudden now being all about the latest fashion trends and stuff. Why? They get caught up in all these things because their attitude is, look at me. Look at me. Just trying to impress everybody else. Just trying to elevate themselves. I mean, just constantly taking pictures of themselves. You know, I don't do selfies. I don't go around taking pictures of myself. Girls do that kind of stuff all the time. And, you know, I don't mind when girls do girly things, but when guys do girly things, i got a problem with it. And they're just always going around. And, And when I see some young 20-something-year-old guy just going around taking pictures of himself all the time. I'm sorry, it just there's something wrong with that. You know, I don't really care about your new outfit. Alright? And you know, guys aren't supposed to take pictures of their new pants that they got and be showing it there. Just, you know, I, I'm just I'm disturbed. I, I, don't, I don't so much have a problem when women do it, but I'm, you know, if I see you on Facebook and you're you're posting pictures and stuff with you standing there in front of the mirror, you know, holding your camera like that, just you know, I'm probably going to quit following you because I just I don't want to see that kind of stuff, right? It's just it's weird. And singers are the worst in the world. You go, you find any singer, Christian, even Christian singers, and you are going to see a self-obsessed person that spends a lot of time taking a lot of pictures of themselves. Why? Because they are the biggest self-promoters in the world. And I've had these people try to contact me. They send me emails. They try to friend request me on Facebook and stuff and they'll start sending me messages and stuff. Why? Because they're wanting to come and sing in our church. They're wanting me to schedule them to come sing in our church. And I'll go look at their stuff and I'll look at all these pictures they take of themselves. And you know what? I don't give a rip about a guy who goes and spends as much time as you do taking pictures of yourself every day. You're a loser and you don't have, you have way too much time on your hands. Go get a real job. Go do something manly. Go do some hard work and stay away from me. And I, and I, I've, I've had these people and I do. I just, I've ended up blocking some of these people because they just want, you know, so pastor, are you going to have us? You know, do you have any availabilities? And I don't want to be mean to these people. It's like, no, you're weird. I don't want to have you. But most singing families, especially, the singing families are almost always weirdos. They are, the singing families, and I like, I like good music. I do. But some of these people that go around singing from church to church and church, they have the weirdest kids in the world. And the mom and dads are usually weird too. And I just, I, I don't like them. There's exceptions. I can think of one. Right, but, I mean, but for the most part, they're weirdos. David, he was somebody that Saul, who had his own narcissistic issues, if I said that right, he, he liked being around David. Why? Because David was a humble servant. Most singers today, I mean, they just stink of pride. David was not like that. David was a humble man, and you know, and no, nobody wants to. Nobody in church wants to watch somebody just get up and strut their stuff and put on a show. No, nobody wants that. I love, I love special music. I love hearing people get up and sing and glorify God. I love it. I love it even. I love it even if the people aren't even a very good singer. When I know that these people really love the Lord and are doing their best and they're doing it for the right reason, I love it. I don't care if they miss a note here and there. I love hearing a choir and I love that person that sings in the choir that you can tell just loves the Lord the most and sings the worst. You know, but they're doing their best and they try. I, 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 I like that, but I'm telling you, we got a lot of people today that are putting special music to a bad name by just getting up and showboating and being a big ham. Nobody likes that and that's not what David did. That wasn't how he, how he ministered to Saul. Do you think Saul, with his pride issues, would have liked it if David was just up there showcasing how great he was? Saul would have hated that with, with the issues he had. He wouldn't have liked the competition. But see, when it, with David and his music, 
it was clear he was a prudent man, and he's think he is his focus. I'm ministering to Saul. I'm trying to help Saul. He was able to see where he's at. Hey, this is the kind of music that'll help him. This is going to make him feel better. And it wasn't about putting on a show, and it wasn't about look how great David is. His method was how can I be a blessing to Saul, and it made a difference. David's music made a difference spiritually, and that should be the goal for our music. You know, the the music that we do as individuals. And the music that we listen to ought to be music that will help us spiritually. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And I believe that's something that we need to take very serious. And you know, a lot of times people say, well, a lot of this stuff, this music, you know, this is just your opinion. When it comes to music, it's just a matter of opinion. Listen, I think the proof is in the pudding in what I said today. You go find me some freak show, pierced up, tattooed up guy singing the type of music that we sing in this church, and I'll eat my hat. It's just not going to happen. You go find that hippie, some long-haired, smelly-looking hippie singing the kind of music we sing in this church, and I'll eat my hat. They're they're not going to do it. There is a there, and you know what? You go show me some godly looking, modest young lady, or a modest godly looking young man. You watch. You, you show me them singing Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift, and I'll eat my hat. All right? They're not going to do it. You are not going to see some young man get up. Suit and tie, comb hair, look like a man, act like a man, and sing in Justin Bieber. He won't do it. He has to put his skinny jeans on first. He's going to have to make his hair look like a homo first. And some young lady too that's dressed modestly, that has these looks like we were talking about, she is not going to sing Katy Perry or Lady Gaga or... Whoever the main freaks of today are. I forgot to look up my top ten list so I know who to rant about on the on the charts. But I, I think the proof is in the pudding of these things and there is a spiritual impact in music that is alive and well today and you know what? The world knows it and they're using it for bad. And a lot of Christians today, one of the reasons they're so messed up spiritually is because they're listening to that garbage. If you're listening to that garbage, you're going to have the same problems they do. You're going to be attracted to dressing that way and to acting that way. You need to stay away from that junk and you need to keep put, be putting the godly stuff in your head and that will help you spiritually. I believe that with all my heart. So that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for good music. Dear God, I pray You'll help us to practice uh, singing godly music and listening to it that will keep that junk out of our lives. and. Uh, Lord, we know it will help us to be more spiritual people, more happy people, and I pray you'll help us to make a difference in that area. I pray you'll help us as a church to set a good example when it comes to the music that we play and the music we listen to. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead.